Hello, and welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location, whether virtual or physical. My name is Tom Hollingsworth, and I'm a part of the Gestalt IT community. And for each episode, we reach out to some of the luminaries in the IT industry who have unique perspectives. And we debate a premise, a topic, if you will, that is important to people out there. So without further ado, I'd like to take a moment and have our guests today introduce themselves, starting with Chris. There, my name's uh, Chris Cummings. You can find me on Twitter at CrankyNetMan. Uh, I've been in the service provider realm for on and off over the past decade. Um, so yeah, that's me. All right, and Nick? I'm Nick Braulio. Uh, my Twitter handle is at ForwardingPlane. And I've been in the service provider industry in one form or another since the late 90s. All right, and Vince. Uh, my name is Vince Shuley. You can find me on Twitter at, at Shuley22. And I've been a consulting architect for service providers for the past couple of years. All right, thank you very much for joining us today. Let's jump into the premise for today's episode. Now, as you've probably guessed from the folks that we have on the podcast here, um, we're going to be talking a little bit about service providers. You know, that cloud in your network diagram where all of the packets go and then magically find their way where they're supposed to be. But it's a network, right? And networking is networking. And if you know how to configure a switch in an enterprise, then you obviously know how to configure a frame relay switch, right? Because a switch is a switch. And you're probably already growling at the, the computer because you know that service provider networks are a little bit different than what we would consider to be a traditional enterprise network. But I'm not a service provider networking person. Thankfully, these three folks are. So I wanted to introduce the premise for today's episode that service provider networks are not your enterprise network. And I wanted to give our guests a chance to kind of talk about some of the challenges that they see in service provider networking that are radically different than the ones that you would see inside of an enterprise. So I'm going to open the floor up to you gentlemen. Do you believe that a service provider network is not an enterprise network? Yes. I mean, why? At some level, they they're, have similarities, but they're very different to operate. They're very different to build, and they're very different to, you know, just deal with in, in almost every way. Um, and I'll start... I'll answer your question of why by state starting at the very bottom. A huge portion of a service provider network exists outside. It's not inside your building. So there's an elemental piece of a service provider network that is just different than if I run, say, you know, uh, an enterprise network inside a single building. I may have to deal with structure cabling, but I don't have to worry about squirrels chewing through my fiber or someone hitting a pole, you know, and knocking out, uh, you know, connectivity. Uh, and, and my redundancy model or my fault tolerant uh, model is going to be very different. Uh, I wanted to piggyback on what Nick had to say there. You know, I couldn't agree more that the biggest difference is the physical layer. Once you, you know, start having to deal with oh, the fiber was cut and that fiber carried all these different backhauls. Now I have huge portions of my network down that I'm trying to route around or there was a hurricane and now I don't have uh, good enough you know, quality to pass the link for RF or SATCOM. 
you have a whole different set of, of problems that you have to worry about there on the physical layer. And when you're in an enterprise data center, you just kind of expect that you can run as many cables and fiber and it's going to work and you're not going to have to think about it. You have perfectly symmetrical paths and that's the end of it. Yeah, I'd have to say that I kind of straddled the fence on this one. Uh, I do agree that service provider networking is fundamentally, well, fundamentally it does have some differences. Uh, obviously the physical layer, like we talked about, but there are a lot of similarities. Um, on the one hand, you know, you're using a lot of the same protocols, you're using a lot of the same uh, physical mediums and, and to some degree, and there's a lot of crossover. Um, so I don't know if I can say that I exactly agree or exactly disagree with the premise. Um, but I would say there isn't anything to be afraid of in service provider networking if you're in the enterprise. You know, I think it's something that's within reach um, of folks. And I think there's definitely enterprises that do run uh, enterprise, or I'm sorry, enterprises that run service provider style networks um, inside themselves. And you see that a lot in education, uh, perhaps where you have a campus that's running like MPLS on their campus uh, that diverges a lot from maybe a typical, you know, private business uh, campus that might be just doing routing or VLANs or things like that. Um, and I think a lot of that ties back to how you have to scale things. And so I think for me, what differentiates service provider networking a lot from enterprise networking is the scale of things, um, the number of devices you have to support, the distance between things. It's like everybody took your network diagram and dragged it by the corners to make it bigger. It's kind of what it feels like to me. So I actually want to riff on that point for just a moment, because I think that there are a lot of times, even inside of the community of um, networking equipment and infrastructure vendors, that there is a disconnect in what an enterprise looks like. Because when I think of an enterprise, I think of an organization that is somewhere between, you know, I don't know, 500 and 2000 users. That is, you know, maybe a couple of sites. It's a headquarters and a couple of branches or something like that. And I did a lot of work in my uh, formative career at, in school districts. And some of the biggest school districts I worked in were 20 something sites. But when an enterprise networking vendor talks to me about what an enterprise is, I always hear Boeing or Facebook or, or super large enterprises, either you know, companies with tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of users or hyperscalers, people who are doing things with their network that don't look like what I would consider to be a traditional enterprise, but they're still going to classify them as enterprise because to these vendors, service providers provide transport between enterprise customers. So does that change the conversation when we cut out the lower tier, which quite honestly, nobody seems to care about anyway, and probably won't be running, you know, BGP, EVPN, MPLS in their networks anytime soon, and restrict it to those higher tier companies, kind of like you said, Chris, that are incorporating service provider type protocols and technologies and policies into their networks, because quite honestly, they look like a service provider to their customers. I think there's a really important distinction to make here. You, you know, you used the word hyperscalers and we've all said it, most of us have said it and we've all thought it. Almost no one is Facebook, Boeing, Google. How many of those are there, right? There's maybe 50 or a hundred hyperscalers if I'm being, you know, really liberal with the, the definition and they may employ a lot of people 
but in the overall number of actual organizations, I think that they are disproportionately hyped as this is, you know, Amazon is doing this. So maybe, you know, mom and pop that has four retail locations should do this too. Makes no sense whatsoever, right? Amazon has, or whoever, right? It doesn't really matter. The hyperscaler has the resources to employ the, you know, the people that are going to understand those types of things and are going to operate at that scale. Whereas, you know, mom and pop shop that might exist in one state or in one, you know, geographic area, or maybe a couple of states, if they're really big, you know, they're going to contract that stuff out. They're going to go to a traditional service provider and say, I need connectivity from here to here. They might, if they're really advanced, they might do some SD-WAN stuff, right? Uh, but, you know, for the most part, I think you've got the tier that you've mentioned, the hyperscalers, right? I'm going to throw those out. Like they don't apply because they can run their own network. Google literally runs their own fiber backbone that is global. So does Facebook. You know, they have undersea cables. There's some service providers that don't even have that. They're just a completely different scope. Whereas, you know, you, you just don't have that kind of thing within that middle tier, which is by the numbers, the largest demographic that we're talking about here. Nick, uh, on that I wanted to go back to that middle tier as well, because even some of those uh, enterprises that I get a chance to work on that are pretty large, but they're nowhere near the size of the hyperscale. So they might have the needs for high availability on their servers. They might have the need for BGP in the data center to you know, take advantage of routing and not run in span entry. We all, we all want to get rid of that in our data center. I think we can agree there, right? So. Uh, you start to see things, but I think where we went wrong is all that started to focus on using things that got purpose built or adapted an old enterprise technology, you know, looking at Trill or Fabric Path or uh, anything along those lines versus going all the way and taking advantage of all the lessons that were learned and service provider as to how to, how to adapt the tech to make sure that you have the availability that you're looking for. Now, I will say that that is actually part of the reason why I kind of wonder about this crossover between service providers and enterprise is because a lot of the technologies that we see that have filtered down into the enterprise that are must use, whether it's Trill Fabric Path, BGP, v, BGP VPN, VXLAN, whatever, started out at that high tier. They started out as a solution to a point problem and maybe the question that I have for you guys around those lines is, is the problem not that we're, we're wanting to go all the way and force people to look at a solution to a problem as a process, as a policy, as an architecture issue, but hey, here's this button that you can hit that fixes this big issue for now. Um, and, and I love the fact that you brought up Trill, Vince, because that was actually one of the things um, you wrote an excellent post recently about migrating from Trill uh, to uh, EVPN. And I can remember how Fabric Path was going to solve all of my problems. And then it didn't because people adopted it for a little bit. And then we kicked the can down the road a little further until a better solution came along, ironically enough, out of the service provider space. So are we kind of, we're, are we creating our own monster here by selecting these technologies and pushing them down into the enterprise and saying, just configure this and it'll work without fixing the root cause of the problem? 
Tom along that point, right? Like a lot of the gear that went into the enterprise, when you started to buy that, it didn't have MPLS label depth, right? So there was no option for that. So that's where you kind of got your hand forced on other data plane encapsulations. You didn't have a choice but to go with VXLAN because it was supported and you didn't want to go and buy you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of new gear to upgrade everything to get the capability. So that starts to force that rabbit hole that I think you just uh, talked about. I think there's another really important distinction that we really never talk about. We're talk, you know, we talk about the product, right? Everybody's got their you know, their network or their, uh, you know, their, their business. And that business is focused around a product, right? For an enterprise, their product can be anything, you know, I'm selling a widget, I'm building bicycles, I'm, you know, making backdrops for people that do zoom calls. That's their product, right? What's the product of a service provider? The network is the product, right? So, the scope and scale and the way the mindset works for something like that is going to be different because the network is the actual product that they're selling. So therefore it is the complete and total focus of what they're doing. You know, all the ancillary pieces that exist for that to function and to be a product that they can sell are only exist so that they can do that. Whereas the network exists for, you know, random enterprise you know, so that they can sell whatever it is that they've got. It's it's a tool. The network is a tool for them, whereas a network is a product for the service provider. And I think that's really important when we start to think about how these things break down. I do think that there's more bleed over than there's ever been in, you know, between the two, right? You've got all these technologies that are sort of migrating frankly, they go both directions, right? There's things that go, you know, from one to the other. Um, but, you know, if you think about what those products are, I think that that is a key distinguishing factor in how you make your procurements, right? Uh, you know, whereas an enterprise is going to say, I need connectivity. I don't really care where it comes from. It needs to be reliable, you know, cheap, fast, reliable, pick two. Whereas if you've got a service provider, you're like, I need to be able to provide connectivity. So I need fiber in the ground. Am I going to put the fiber in the ground myself? Or am I going to contract dark fiber from somebody else and then light that fiber with my own optical equipment? Not that many enterprises are lighting their own optical networks. They, they do exist, right? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's being built that does connectivity between buildings and metro areas and even long haul stuff that is significantly more affordable and approachable than it used to be. But by and large, I think that is one particular technology that is mostly focused in the service provider space. And, and that's why, right? Because they're, they're very different products. Nick, I'm glad you brought up the point that is my favorite thing on earth to like harp on, uh, which is that net, the network is the product in a service provider, uh, whereas a lot of times the enterprise is just an ends to a means or a means to an end uh, rather. Um, and for me, having been on both sides of the coin being in the enterprise where I just had a cloud that I put bits into and they came out the other side most of the time. Uh, and then moving, well, I moved from service provider over to enterprise and then back over to service provider. Uh, I think one of the reasons I went back to service providers cause you know, I wanted to work somewhere where, you know, that's kind of your goal. And I think it does allow you 
to have different levels of freedom uh, in the service provider space than you would in the enterprise space. Um, because, you know, now there's good enterprises out there, of course, that understand that a solid network is critical to accomplishing their business goals, but not all do. And so I think that a lot of folks um, in the enterprise space unfortunately are always fighting against management not wanting to spend money on upgrades or not wanting to put in the you know this new technology that would solve you know these problems because at the end of the day you know when the cfo looks at the at the budget goes okay we've got janitorial supplies uh and cleaning staff okay we've got it okay you know <laughs> and then, then it's like oh and here's the people who make our widgets we love them give them all the resources and uh I'm not saying it's impossible to to have you know good management structure in a in an enterprise. There's plenty that do. I've worked for some that do, um, but it can be a bit easier to find that in the service provider side, where uh, you find that um, sweet spot of oh, everybody really understands networking, and you don't have to deal as much with you know you know the server guys coming over and be like oh we think it's the network. Uh, what have you done to test this? Um, well, I tried to load a web page, <laughs> that kind of stuff. It's kind of nice to be a little bit removed from that. So there's definitely a difference there. And I would honestly say that that is a, vi a visibility issue that most enterprises look at the network as a cost center, just like they use all of IT or you know anything other than really accounting and sales. But service providers do look at it as a profit center. And I think that maybe that was kind of the impetus behind a lot of the movement that we saw years ago of changing the way that IT responds to these requests to effectively act like a service provider was to show that they were providing value, which is what you see a lot of times with things like chargebacks and other structures that are created to make it show that there is a real kind of uh, monetary value that they provide to ensure that everybody's able to do things. But does that actually go far enough to solve the problem? because essentially all you're doing is you're just kind of rearranging the piles on the table to say, oh, well, we're really doing this for your own good and you should be happy that we're doing it and not charging you what these people over here would. Because the other flip side of that coin is, is that in a lot of places, companies will just outsource their entire IT department to a service provider to do those kinds of things, which kind of gets into some different things to have to worry about. But is it that we focus so much on trying to convince people that IT enterprise IT is in a cost center that we've lost track of the fact that kind of as Nick said, the ultimate goal is to provide network connectivity. Doesn't matter if it's between the users in your system or the systems in your provider network. I don't know that we've lost sight of that. I think like many times, you know, in the last 15 minutes, we've we've sort of said it's blurring a little bit. And part of that blurring is what you said, right? You know, we're, we're trying to justify that this is not cost center, like this actually aids in generation of profit or whatever. Um, and so by the, you know, by the nature of that, it sort of puts it in that category, right? But I don't think that that's, I don't think that's a bad thing, really. I mean, I think that that's just something that has evolved into what it is today. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? What do you guys think? Yeah, I think there's actually uh, a few different lines here as well, because some people, when they are selling something, they're 
selling a product that they host themselves, right? And that makes their business becomes very relevant. I see those companies adopting the change that we're talking about and having those that bleed over. And that's, you know, all levels of, of uh, enterprise IT that I've been working with. But as the, uh, the companies that don't host a product that they sell, they're just using their IT as a website or to keep track of, you know, simple stuff. Maybe it's not so important that they're you know, five nines or whatever mechanism of uh, measuring uptime you want to use that they're down for a couple of hours, you know, whatever, I'll go out and pick up the phone and call somebody and you know, go visit some of my customers. I remember uh, who it was that said, I think it was some famous CEO or, you know, financial type said something that was like, don't tell me you want to spend a million dollars to protect one million or like, don't tell me you want to spend a million dollars to protect one dollar of value. And I think that when it comes to network uptime, like you're saying, their events, yeah, sometimes it doesn't need to be perfect. It doesn't need to be up all the time. You know, hang me up <laughs> for saying that, but downtime's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> right. But when you look at that from the service provider spe- perspective, that's a really different answer, right? No one cares when the network is working because it's a utility at this point. You know, my family doesn't care that our internet connection at home is up. They just expect it to be up. But when it's down, if I'm not home, I'm getting phone calls and text messages. And, you know, if I'm home, they're coming to find me in the house, right? Because what it's like the electricity being off, except for I can actually fix it usually. So it's, it's a, it's a really different point of view um, because the network is often from a service provider point of view, from a service provider customer's point of view is a utility that they're paying for to be available all the time, even if they're not buying an SLA or whatever, it doesn't matter. The, you know, the, the expectation is that this just works. Like when I turn the faucet on, water comes out. When I turn the light on, it comes up. You know, when I switch the, the switch, the light comes on. You know, when I open my browser up, I expect to be able to get to whatever I'm trying to get to. It's a utility at this point in people's minds. How it's categorized outside of that is irrelevant. How people perceive it is that it's always available. So downtime from a service provider point of view is a really, really different thing. I think that's something that kind of it changes the network design sometimes, depending on the scale or scope of the enterprise. But yeah, that's why a lot of service provider tech, you know, look at look at the kind of router that you're putting in a backbone, you know, location on a on a network in a big service provider, right? A lot of times it's gonna have, you know, four, eight power supplies, it's gonna have at least two routing engines, maybe three. Uh, it's gonna have a bunch of line cards and you know, that's just for one router. Maybe you'll have two of those super redundant boxes. And, you know, I think that's not something something that you do as much anymore the 60 and except for the people that are still running 6509s uh in, the, in their closets i think there's also you know i'm gonna go on the topic i was at a little bit further even within those enterprises that meet that line you start to see them breaking up their it into different functions of they have a staff that does corporate it and that just handles uh you know the office jobs and those guys have a very different network design than the side that handles their content or the product that they're selling and that product side is where you see all the service provider tech going in on the on the corporate side you still see you know a distribution switch with hsrp and you know 
as many things that you can stack together in the closet to connect a couple hundred guys there. I was going to say that that is a nice dovetail um, from both Chris and Vince into, you know, the differences in the hardware. And you, you do see, I think you'll see in, in service providers, you'll see this class of gear and this class of gear, where this class of gear is, you know, your service provider, your, your carrier grade stuff. And then you're going to have to have like some switches and things like that. And the enterprise, it's going to be flipped, right? You probably have one or two routers that may need buffer and, you know, TCAM space, but you're going to need a lot of switch ports. So there's a almost a mirror image of each other in the equipment in most cases between what I would consider to be a typical run-of-the-mill enterprise, you know, middle-sized enterprise and a service provider. So let me flip this question on its head a little bit, because as we kind of have determined, the lines are blurring between what a service provider network looks like and what an enterprise network looks like. And there are things that are flowing back and forth between them to kind of, you know, solve problems or change the way that we look at IT. But should those lines be blurred? Is it a good idea to carry a lot of the design practices and the infrastructure down from a service provider into the enterprise or vice versa? Because as we blur those lines, it challenges the way that we look at these things and creates additional complexity in places that maybe it doesn't need to be created. So should we maybe draw a bright line between the two and say, if you're doing this, you're a service provider, and this is what you have to work with. And if you're doing this, you're an enterprise, and this is what you get to work with, and ne'er the twain shall meet. I, my opinion is make them kiss. <laughs> they belong together very much so. Um, I think that you benefit a lot from having basically that cross pollination uh, between the two veins of networking, uh, at least the two veins that we're talking about. You know, if you are at a service provider, that enterprise knowledge that you might bring if you came from an enterprise to a service provider, that can be really valuable because A, you'll have the insight into what the customers actually care about, whereas you might actually learn that, hey, the customers don't care about anything except for the bits just get there. You know, you might also be able to take that because uh, a lot of service providers still have to have enterprise style networks too and need to have data centers to run your DHCP services, all of your, you know, broadband authentication stuff. Like, I mean, there is just a ton of services that you need to run as a, as a service provider, your DNS uh, resolvers and all that stuff. And if I'm being honest, a lot of service providers have that as kind of the shoemaker's child uh, or the man, I'm mixing my metaphors a lot today, but basically, you know, it's, it's always oft forgotten about. You just have these, you know, data centers that are just a shame pit <laughs> nobody wants to deal with. And so, you know, I think from the enterprise to the service provider, there's a lot of value in that way. And then from the service provider to the enterprise, too, because there are a lot of folks in enterprise networking that don't understand, um, you know, routing at the level you might need to know and don't understand i mean i've met tons of folks who just don't know that there is a world before nat uh don't know that there's a world where you could have redundancy um by using routing and bgp and multiple transit providers and advertising your address space and so there's there's just lots of cross-pollination i say you know let them mix so i'm i'm gonna uh agree on this as well i think they need a mix, but I think the question it comes down to uh, the scale and what you're trying to do, right? And I think why the service provider data centers get ignored is they might have one pizza box and 
I'm not going to run EVPN fabric for one server. I'm going to put an SVI somewhere and I'm probably going to forget about it until, you know, it doesn't work anymore. And then I'm, I'm going to have to go and, and deal with that. Whereas in a enterprise or a content delivery uh, or hosting, they're going to have this really massive data center with thousands of servers. You're going to have big firewalls at the edge to do filtering. You're going to have load balancers. And when you're just slinging packets back and forth, there's not a lot of that on the other side. I don't have quite as poetic of a uh, interpretation. To me, everything is just a tool of the toolbox. And I'm going to use whatever tool it is that I need to build whatever I need to build. That might be, you know, a layer two switch and that's it. It might be, uh, you know, a half of, half of a cabinet that has 400 gig ports in every blade, you know, but there's only eight ports, you know, it's, there are, they're just tools in the toolbox. I think you, you pick the ones that you need for the job that you have to do. So if I'm an enterprise and I, you know, I need to have, you know, a thousand desktops online, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to buy a giant carrier router or, you know, as many of those as I'm going to need, I'm going to buy as many, you know, layer two switches as I can, as I can get away with to plumb layer two through. And, and conversely, I'm not going to try to push, you know, a, you know, a full long fat network through a data center switch just because it has a hundred gig port on it doesn't mean it can move hundred gig in the WAN, right? Probably has no buffer whatsoever, which is really important in a service provider network uh, that is not really so important in an enterprise network in most cases. So if you just think about the toolboxes, uh, you know, the tools as tools in a toolbox, you just pick the one that you need. Don't use a screwdriver when you need a hammer and vice versa. And I think that's really the, the best advice that I could give. And I think we do a really bad disservice as uh, networkers by not exploring those tools because I can't uh, count how many times somebody's told me as I'm learning a new technology, oh yeah, you don't need to know that because it's enterprise or oh, you don't need to know that because it's service provider. And it's like, well, my toolbox is getting a lot smaller now and I don't know the options. So I feel pigeonholed into what I know because, you know, if, everything is depending on that. I'm going to go with what I know, even if it's subpar versus something I'm extremely uncomfortable with when it comes down to the decision time. Yeah, I think that we're all kind of at the point where we agree that while they're two separate networks, there's a lot of things that each can learn from the other. And more importantly, it's not just a technology conversation. It's not a, a switch or a 400 gig optic or a router the size of a refrigerator. Instead, it's the other things. It's the planning. It is the design. It is the way that you look at the way you provide services to people that helps kind of more clearly blur that line, if that's a thing, when it comes to, are you a service provider? Are you an enterprise? Or should there even be a distinction? And kind of to Nick's point, you know, they're all tools at the end of the day, whether it's a wireless network or a spreadsheet or a phone on the CEO's desk that he uses to make phone calls to get sales. Ultimately, they're all things that are used to provide value to the business, to allow you to do the job of the business, because unless you are a service provider, your business is probably not providing IT. But even if you are a service provider and your business is providing connectivity or IT services or whatever it is, you still have to have those same services to support the things that you do. 
So ultimately, I think the, the premise here is valid, but the question will be for how much longer? I want to thank everybody for joining us on this episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable today. Remember that you can always find the latest episode of our podcast by going to gestaltit.com slash podcast. You can also subscribe in your favorite podcast application of choice or check us out on our YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash gestaltitvideo. And uh, we will also invite you to check out more great discussions about some of the service provider technologies by heading over to our other sister site, techfieldday.com, and clicking on the link for Networking Field Day Service Provider. December 8th and 9th, we will be talking about all these challenges and more with companies that are making the service provider equipment, and maybe we can get you a more definitively blurred answer by then. So for myself, Tom Hollingsworth, for our great guests and our wonderful members of the Gestalt IT community, thank you very much for tuning in. We hope to see you soon and have a good day.